brother. Welcome. Welcome to my humble abode. Oh, I love it. Today we have here Michael Honablue. Yep. And uh, he's a four-time Emmy Award-winning producer, architect, contemporary art dealer. Uh, and I'm excited to chat with you. We actually met, or I, I messaged you because you, uh, you did a video with, uh, with Victoria uh, from Synergy Yoga, who was yes. a previous guest of ours. I love her. And I don't know if you recall, but <laughs> in, our, in, our, in our DMs on uh, Instagram, you go, you should do a, pod, do, a, no, you should do a podcast on me so I can rock the community. <laughs> and that's what you told me. Sounds like me. So when I got when I got that kind of like offer, I was like, okay, I'll I'll hit you up. Give me a month or two. I got some people lined up. Um, and actually, I said I'll hit you up in January. And then the last day of January came, and I still hadn't hit you up. So I was like, I got to send him something. I was like, oh, what's your number, man? And then and then I was gonna invite you for Valentine's Day. And I was like, no, nah, that's not right. That's not right. But then um, yeah, so here we are on Tuesday. Uh, a rainy Tuesday. On a rainy Tuesday, but so basically, Michael, what are you? Are you like the Don Draper of Miami? Is that what you are? Um, who the hell is that? <laughs> He's a great uh, advertising icon in the, the TV show Mad Men. Oh, um, but I like Mad Men. I know who you're so talking you, about. Don Draper, man. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, he's yes. like, uh, you know. Anyway, you you deal with a lot of high luxury brands and and you know putting together you know beautiful shots and things like that. Yeah. Um, so there's just a lot to talk about here. But I'd like to go kind of back to the start. Like, where were you born? Like, where did you grow up? All right. So thank you again for having me. This is amazing. Um, I love new things. I love podcasts. So this is fun. My wife got caught in the rain. So, well, that is. So that's why I'm all like thinking about her right now because she's caught in the rain. But let me tell you how it all happened. I grew up in Virginia Beach. Um, my first footsteps were on a beach. Uh, my parents are both doctors, so they. My dad was a doctor for the Navy, so we were in Virginia Beach, and then from there we went to Colonial Williamsburg. Um, and I grew up in Kings Mill and then we got a house in the country and I grew up in the country uh, skateboarding a lot um, I built my own half pipe in the country and what else we do we like what happened after that I you went to um, so I saw you went to, to so you went to Parsons in Paris for, for was that what was your degree there in, in Paris? So I studied interior design and architecture. I did that and finished up at Pratt in New York. Um, did architecture for a couple of years, and then from there I kind of got into entertainment. I married into this entertaining entertainment family, and I started working with Puff Daddy. Started working with MTV. My first development deal was with MTV. Then I worked with Nickelodeon. After that, I got a deal with Plum TV, which is a high net worth television channel in like all the good markets. So that's where the luxury comes in pretty much. So it was in the Hamptons, Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket, Aspen Vale, Telluride, and Miami Beach is their newest channel. So they flew me out here and then I just started rocking it. Um, the first Emmy that I got was for a documentary on Art Basel. And then the second one was the International Polo Championship. And then the latest ones were for the Lotus House, which is a women's uh, 
women's uh, homeless shelter here in Overtown, mm-hmm. and it got an Emmy, and then it got nominated for an Emmy the next year. So I've done a lot here in Miami. I love it. And what was that that first? How long has it been since you came for Plum TV? That was my first time here. I came here in 2007. And yeah, I've been here ever since. I didn't leave anyway. Yeah. So, I guess the Miami Design District is. You live South Beach, right? But uh, yeah, I live but, down the street. Actually, I live on West Ave. West Ave is the best Ave. Okay. And uh, but yeah, Miami Design District also also one of your homes. So you have so you have a uh, thing called Honolulu Studios, right? Which yes. is pretty recent. So what is that exactly? All right. So I've been wanting to do a pop up in the Design District for a while. I know Craig Robbins, and actually I work with Design Miami as an ambassador doing VIP tours during our Basel. So I take out different collectors and then I'll do pop-ups for them. I'll give out VIP passes and do all that and then go to all the different satellite fairs. So I wanted to do a studio um, two years ago, didn't work out. And then, you know, this year, I came to the to Craig and was like, yeah, I've got a really cool idea. We can do a studio where it's more interactive and we can actually create content from the people coming in. And I put together a big proposal. He loved it. And then I got a studio. So I'm up in there with Hana Blue Studios. I have a cure I have Bradley Theodore's art, big time artist uh, from Turks and Caicos, who does like million dollar shows in London and all over in Dubai. And then I have a couture designer, um, uh, Indy True, Cassandra Youngs. Uh, she's great. And then we just put up some new art, so come check it out. 4141 Northeast 2nd Avenue in the heart of the design district. Yeah, quite the location. <laughs> uh, and like obviously that that whole area is... Do you remember what that was like when you first came here? It's, it's whole it's completely yeah. different. All no? right, so when I first came here, design district was all... Just it was a haven for interior designers and and people that wanted to get art and they actually had the first art walks before Winwood did the art walk and then what happened is Craig did a deal where he pretty much took all the high-end stores from Bow Harbor and kind of pushed out all the you know the interior design stores so it made it into a haven for you know, your Burberry, your Dolce & Gabbana, your Hermes, these high-end flagship stores. And it's beautiful. And it still has, uh, you know, some of the interior design stores, a lot of art stores, a lot of galleries, opera galleries there. And it's nice. It's got a lot of energy. What I've noticed during coronavirus is that everybody's gravitating to the design district because it's an open-air mall. And it's also very photogenic. So... Uh, the young people are there. They're actually the ones that are filling up these stores. There'll be a line in front of Off-White, a line in front of Louis Vuitton, lines in front of Gucci, and it's the young people that are spending all their parents' money. Yeah, yeah I mean, it is what it is. I have some questions for you about that, uh, but it's like, when it comes to yourself as a character, do you say, so there's contemporary art, which I'm very interested in, in, in what that's like dealing that, but there's also architecture. So that was one of your main majors at, at Pratt. Um, what, what have you designed? Like, what buildings have you designed? Like, how far have you gone into that space? Well, when I first got out of school, we did a... It was really crazy when I got out of school because 
I got out when 9-11 happened. Like, I saw the Twin Towers come down. Like, I was in New York for that. So we had to actually, during our thesis, like, we were studying what happened with that building and the structure and all that. And then when I got out, it was hard getting a job. But the job that I did get was a black-owned firm. And we did a black museum in, uh, it was in upstate New York. And that was <clears throat> probably the first of my own designs that I did. Everything else was pretty much, you know, working for whatever job, doing AutoCAD and doing details and all that, not really doing my own building. And that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to get out of architecture and get into entertainment, because I knew even during architecture that entertainment was my calling. We uh, owned a house on uh, Buckhead in Atlanta um, by Frank Lloyd Wright's student. And he told me, because he came to do some renovations, he told me, he was like, look, Mike, the architecture world has changed. It's not the same. You know, the architects don't have the same power as they used to. They'll get paid the same way. So I knew then, before I even was a junior in architecture, that I was just going to do it for the discipline, you know, do what I have to do, but probably won't go to be a licensed architect, you know. So I took that turn and I haven't looked back. And what's funny is I actually, I have looked back because now I have a design firm with my wife. <laughs> like she's works south of Fifth. She and I started this design firm with her where we do all design build. We've done some big stuff in the Apogee, the Continuum, uh, Portofino, One Ocean. So primarily south of Fifth. So it's actually, yeah, it did come full circle with architecture, but I'm not actually practicing architecture. I'm using my marketing skills through producing to get clients and using my networking skills through having a studio to get clients. Right. And then we work it into the system where my wife actually manages all that because she's in the business, the contracting business. Okay. So when did you first start producing? Um, you know it's crazy. The first, <laughs> well, high school. My last year of high school, I wrote a script, a kung fu movie, <laughs> and we were trying to actually get it done with my friends. And you know how it is. Some like, well, my friend took the footage and he never gave it back, and I never thought of doing anything. And then years later, I came to Miami when we were living in Atlanta. And I had a camera, and I saw these kids that were doing karate. And I asked them, I was like, well, yo, why haven't we put together like a little film? And I'll choreograph it and do it. So I, for my holiday break, I spent with these kids making a movie, a little movie. And then years later, I end up living in Miami. It's crazy. <laughs> Damn. So it really happened gradually. It wasn't even like... It was but, like a, but the first producing, producing was after I got the deal with MTV, I was living in the East Village and I met this guy named Henry Jones. And I was like, he was so crazy. He actually was the first guy that did, you know, the, um, the astronaut, the MTV astronaut, it was yeah, like the yeah. original. He did that. He designed that. So he was so crazy. Like we did this show and then I tried to get that picked up. That was the first show. 
Like because he was in the East Village and he was like a dinosaur of the East Village. So you had like networked with, into him and then you had a couple of videos and you were like, hey, I do stuff. And then you got a yeah, job. Yeah, I mean, well, I basically saw his studio. He had a studio in the East Village and it was all, you know, messed up, like stuff everywhere. He used to do rotoscopic art and um, stop motion art. So he had like little toys and stop motion things everywhere. It was crazy. But he's like a legend. He used to hang out at CBGB's with the Ramones. He he's done stuff way ahead of his time. So that's what I do. I look for interesting characters, and he was probably the first um, real. He was the first real character that I dealt with. Whereas with MTV, I created like a skateboard show and just made up characters. He was a real character that I was producing. Right, and so you actually. <laughs> You made your own MTV, MHTV. What is that actually? That's MHTV just... is Michael Hama Blue TV. So I do so much content for people that I just went ahead and started my own channel. And then that's actually on Apple TV and Firework TV. Um, it's all short form content, like one minute videos to two minute videos, all upscale content, lifestyle content, uh, ranging from, you know, music, to wellness, art, philanthropy. Right. I saw one of your pieces on, uh, it was just like, it was random, it was like Eva Longoria and then uh, some, some guy, Peter Nick Roland, Nick, Nick, so, Nick, yeah, yeah, Nick on a Rodin. horse. She was like on a horse. It was one of the most like seductive se yeah, sequences of I'll images I've ever that. seen. So Nick Rodin is the number one polo player in the world. He's ranked, yeah. And they brought these horses. So that ha that shoot was crazy. Like, first of all, Eva was being, like, sh she didn't, like, <laughs> she was, she thought I was shooting uh, for Instagram or something. Like, because we used an iPad. Like, I had two cameras. Yeah. And I started holding the iPad in front of her. And she was like, what is this for? You know? <laughs> and then the video, you know, turned out nice. And then she put it on her Facebook and got thousands of views and was like, yeah, I love this video. Okay. It's just yeah. like that. You were in the right place. right? But time. the thing is, that was done at the Ridinger's house. You know, it was like all fancy. Um, she was great. The Ridinger's were great. Nick Rodin was great. And it was just a good piece of content that I call Evergreen. I like it. It lives forever. You, know? you don't know yeah. when it was done. Yeah, the short form, I mean, basically what's cool is that it's it's not like a huge project like a movie, but it's like you get to have a lot of variety in, in your life, a lot of creativity. I mean, you can you can do a short form about something new any day, right? I mean, how often yeah. how often are you coming up with new stuff? Like what's kind of like your creative process? Yeah, so I'm always coming up with new ideas. I have clients, you know, I do content strictly for my clients. Um uh, lifestyle but everything is lifestyle so just like with your podcast it's like it's an unlimited amount of content you're constantly everybody you meet uh, is networking and you're hearing their story you're figuring out how to take that story and make it work for you and on your platform you know um, like my process is like for example like Lotus House they called me I saw their story, I told them what we could do, and we spent a year documenting it. Um, one of my friends just came to me, uh, it's a father and daughter, 
that surf and the do- the the father wants to go he wanted to go to the championships he didn't make it so his daughter has the potential to make the championships so they come to me with that story I'm like all right so break down all right this is what we're going to do these are the questions we're going to ask them this is what we're going to try to pull out of them um this is the schedule for shooting in Costa Rica this is the schedule for you see what I'm saying so I do the exact same that I would do for architecture where I would sketch it out do a bubble diagram start breaking it down and then get into you know building that model that model could be a first cut could be a sizzle and then we'll take that sizzle and use it to get some real money and then with that real money we start shooting it with reds instead of DJI Osmos you know whatever and then it goes to whatever you know Hulu Netflix right so you kind of like scale it up um, slowly just yeah obviously like proving or, or showing what it you know, giving people a taste of, of what because could be more. we don't know what could happen with this family. It's not going to take, like, I can't spend six months and say this is what the story is going to be. Like, it might take right. four years. Well, you do market research. You're finding out what people dig. Like, what do people want more of this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what, what was that thing about Red and DGI? I mean, for us, so we weren't got, movie experts. Yeah, so DGI are drones. DGI, oh, yeah, they DGI. come up with yeah. the drones. So... They come up. They have these new little cameras, the DJI Osmos, and I prefer using like smaller equipment, uh, vlogging equipment, and it helps me be you know in and out like a ninja, and create content without sticking a big camera in someone's face and having them freeze up, or you can just get something good, and then you're out, and then you edit it, and then you edit analyze the edit and are you a one-man team pretty much right for your shorts or what for a lot of the stuff that I'm doing now yeah it's one man uh, that's kind of how I like it but I've had it where you know I send out a number of shooters to do stuff but right now I've kind of like scaled back um, and you know basically it's quality over quantity right now Right. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's a small enough project where you can have most of the creative control. Obviously, you probably have a cool intern or two, right? Helping you yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, whenever, I, it, it all depends on the budget, you know, basically. Like, if I can knock it out, I'll knock it out. If I need a drone operator, I'm going to get a drone operator. If I need hair and makeup, I got all that, you know. Right. It all depends on what, what we're looking at. Yeah. And so, uh, was it through just being in this world of high fashion and, and high... Uh, in luxury and, and is this how you became a contemporary art dealer like I was kind of curious about you know how does one start out in that space obviously you have to love art but do you remember like the first piece you flipped or something like do you remember like what that was like yeah so I used to paint myself a long time ago in middle school my aunt gave me a paint set and I started painting on jeans and then I made it into a business and I started getting paid to paint on kids jeans Then from there I learned how to airbrush and then I took classes on airbrushing and then I'm painting I'm airbrushing on people's jeans and by the end of middle school I got it I secured a position at a college where I had my own area to airbrush on people's sweater on the college kids <laughs> sweaters so that's what I was doing and then I started painting on acrylic canvases 
and started selling that. So everything I did first was all my own artwork. Um, getting into flipping contemporary art now happened again through my wife, who's probably hating me right now because she's still stuck in the rain. But she will take the art, put it in her renovation. If I say, look, I've got a cool artist, she'll put it in one of her rental jobs. Now, since we have the company, it's going to be both of us doing this. From that, you know, we've had some big art sales of people just buying the whole unit with the art in it. And then I started staging, you know, art setups for during Art Basel. For the clients that couldn't make Art Basel, I'll go to a hotel, build out the hotel with art, da 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 and then bring just two clients mm. to see it, you know, and then I'll have one artist come speak to them, make it a nice thing, have some champagne, it's like VIP. So what comes along with our company and with what I do, and I think what's helped me in Miami, because I've been here so long, I've been here a, a while, and like, it's not easy, but it's the concierge service in me, you know, the white glove concierge service, and me wanting to be a great host, like I always like to host people and that goes a long way with when you're providing services especially you know personal services like content you know people love content people love a picture people love a video people love a design home they living in their home more than ever do people worship their homes and Miami's out of control people buying so much stuff like this is the best time to start the company that we have because everybody's buying up everything. And what comes along with buying it up? Contemporary art. Because that's what Miami likes. Yeah, these these homes have to be filled, right? With they have art. To be filled. <laughs> you can you know how many people tell me? I just got got a new unit. I got nothing but white walls. It's like, all right. Well, you're the man. So then I'll set up a private viewing for them ah. in the studio. Have the art. So you can see already how I took it from being an ambassador for Design Miami, using my own little connections to get a hotel. Then from that, people, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. So <clears throat> also have a pop-up south, uh, south of Fifth at South Point Towers. Okay. That's how it all started. From that VIP pop-ups, I had the art, I had a lot of art ready. So, I, so they asked me, said, Mike, we love your work. Can you put some up in South Point Towers, which is a nice building? I was like, all right, we have an art gallery that does this, but we think you'd be better. So I took that art gallery space, boom, I'm up in there. It's going on a year now. I'm up in there. I did a her art, an all women's art show. So I'm flipping it. You see what I'm saying? Right. I'm flipping art. But then, so what's your source for new artists in the area? Do they come to you now? Are they hitting you up? Yeah, privately? people are hitting me up on Instagram. It's yeah. like it's work. It's just like an asset. You know, I'm reading Rich Dad. Everybody's read it. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if you're smart. So they talk about assets and liabilities. So once you have an asset, you know, once you're rich, it's only when you have stuff working for you. Like money's working for you. So now I have my art working for me. I have my studio. The biggest contacts that I've had to date in Miami so far are coming from this one studio. That's, that's in the design district. That's not true, but a lot's coming from it, right? you know, and it's happening. And that's another thing about Miami. You need real estate. Like, 
you kind of have to have some real estate to do something here. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the beach even itself you, is limited. Even you, you have to have some real estate to have people come and do an interview. And it has to be convenient, it has to be nice. You got to be able to host. And then you can do your platform, your content for your platform. So I've been doing that since the beginning here. I've been hosting people for Plum TV. I've been hosting people for Holt Living. I've been hosting people for... I had an account with Ford, and I had an account with Estee Lauder. So I keep doing the same thing. I'm not, I'm like staying in my lane. You know, just new things are opening up. Yeah. And so architecturally in Miami, what's like the most you know, impressive building or, or, yeah, what would you say is like the most impressive architectural piece that you've seen? Well, uh, my great friend, like my mom here is... Iran is Khan, and her best friend was Zahad Adib, who did 900, um, excuse me, 1,000 Museum, um, which is probably one of the best buildings here in Miami. And then you have, of course, Frank Gehry's New World Symphony, and then Renzo Piana. Uh, he did a nice building in Bell Harbor. And then John Novell just did Nomad. I visited his work in Paris. He's amazing. And then I like what they did with East Hotel. Um, that's a Malaysian architecture company. Christoph, what he did when he was here, you know who that is? No, I don't know. <laughs> it's on the TV. There's a Chromecast art gallery, which I love to just have art in the background. Yeah, I, I have that's his hilarious. book. <laughs> So I love architecture and I did a whole documentary about the making of Miami and what's interesting about Miami's architecture, not just the contemporary architecture, but with the Art Deco. Alright, so during COVID I did two things. So I, I took a, a class on Shakespeare, uh, the history of Shakespeare, I scored in 95. <laughs> And then I took a class on the history of Hollywood. So did you know that Miami was the first Hollywood? All the studios came here first before mm -hmm. they came to LA. Not only did they come here, but they came here in Cuba. These were the two places. The only reason why they went to LA is because LA has farms, deserts, mountains. Mm. That's good for film, right? Why was Art Deco so significant to the film industry? Scarface? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Oh, you're way off. <laughs> no, the architectural style of Art Deco, the overhangs, the window style, everything, the orientation, the uh, on, or, orientation, not the orientation, the ornamentation. So you have all these things. All that during black and white times those created shadows and made it easier, made it more visual, visualizing and beautiful. All the shadows, that's why a lot of people smoke cigarettes in those old black and white films, because of the shadows that were there. So Miami is known for that, but not a lot of people know that hmm. about the Art Deco here. And they wanted to tear it down. Right before Miami Vice, they were going to tear it down. 
but they kept all the stuff because Miami Vice started using some of the Art Deco in their scenes. Mm, Miami Vice saved Miami. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of ironic. Nobody cared. So, I mean, Miami, we will have to say it's a, it's a Caribbean spot. So it's like, I, I totally agree why eventually people went to Hollywood to have a bit more, bit more you know, backgrounds to work with. But mm -hmm. Miami itself has a future... What do you think the future of Miami is in terms of like the arts? There's Art Basel. I, I see a, a constant, I see a trend upwards. Um, I'm not yeah. sure what you think all about right. it. So I, Art Basel, you know, Basel, all right. So Art Basel started like in 1996 in Basel, Switzerland. And then came to Miami in 2006. And it's the biggest contemporary art fair in North America. So what's happening because of Art Basel? The growth of Wynwood has clearly happened. More New Yorkers, more Europeans have come here because, you know, our Basel's brought so much. What I see happening is that there is a constant growth and Miami's like spreading out. It's almost turning into California where it's like going to have these pockets of everywhere. You have your Alapata which is the new Opportunity Zone, which is right off of Wynwood now. Wynwood's like gonna be Soho. It's gonna be, pri it's already priced out. I remember in 2007, forget about it, you can do whatever you want in Wynwood. Can't get nothing there now. And then you have, so you got Alpada, you got Flatiron District, you got the Magic City District. That's the new area where all the tech people are going. A lot's happening over there got Upper Buena Vista Design District. All these pockets where people are just filling them. What's gonna happen and what's happening now is you can't get a house here. You can't, you can get a condo, but it's like people are buying, it's Texas or Florida. Yeah, you gotta go way out in the, in the weeds to get a house here, like Kendall <laughs> or like Doral or like. <laughs> it's like, forget about it. It's like. It's tough, yeah. Not only is this a future city that's growing, you know, it's going to be a tech town. It's going to happen, and I'm working with some Suarez people. Suarez is working on that, or yeah. he's been trying it, yeah. I'm working with some people doing that already that are from Israeli, and they're working with, yeah, it's going to happen. They have a great tech scene in Israel. Mm -hmm. So, I've seen Miami grow. It's like, when you're in New York, you don't see New York grow. Well, you see New York grow, but you get beat up so much, you can't enjoy it. Like in Miami, you can enjoy the growth because it's it's so light here. It's like you can just get to everything within an hour. Like we can see everything. There's so much within 20 minutes. You know what Radius and in, in cars and nuts. Yeah. So this is the future city, and everybody's seeing it now more than ever. You know, um, not only is it the future city, but it was founded by a woman, Julius Tuttle. Um, so it already has this. You know woman sexy charm to it that will never go away like we have crazy history which is entertaining in itself but it's a young city it's young yeah and it's so many new people moving here as part of the reason like one of the one of the core missions of the podcast is to um to basically create to connect communities together and shine light on great stories the reason i say connect communities is like there's running community, there's a yoga community, there's an art community, there's there's all these communities, and then when you put them all together on like one diverse podcast, basically I have a dream for you, Michael, that maybe you might be able to help me out. So 
you know how there's Pro Bowl week? You know how often the Super Bowl is held in Florida? So there's Pro Bowl week, which is a little like a week before. Um, and so I, my dream is making it either Local Voices Day or Local Voices Week, where we actually go around with a film crew to all these you know, humble heroes of the community that we capture and that we, that we get their story out there. But in this week is a chance to like make this video production called like Local Voices Week Miami, where I'm wondering like if you, basically I think it would all work really well with like a corporate sponsor or something, but like I can see a video crew going around to like Giovanni at the pizza place, you know, going to Stephanie at the cheeseburger baby, going, going to all the fitness instructors that we interview, all the, all the leaders, all the volunteer leaders. Um, I think it's, it would be really cool. So that's kind of my dream is to have like every city that has local voices has like its own week where it's like, it's kind of like Art Basel week, but like local voices week. Nice. What do you think about that? I think it's great. I want to help you with this. Let me know. I'll bring a sponsor. Yeah. I think that's what you, you can help me with that part. I know you can. So that's, I'll come back to you for that later. But, um, one other thing I, I actually, while we're on the topic of you helping me, uh, <laughs> So what I'm realizing is, so every every season in Local Voices has 24 heroes, right? And my dream would be to have it be equal, right? Like 12 women, 12 men every season. Um, so we're actually, you know, for, for some reason or other, we're actually kind of falling short right now uh, on the women. We're having, like, well, I think our ratio maybe like, maybe it's like uh, nine to five or something. So I was thinking about maybe making March uh, like Women's Month, which already is Women's Month, but like having four straight um, awesome women leaders and stuff. So I was kind of curious who some of your favorite women in Miami are in terms of uh, awesome characters. Well, my wife, she's number one, Malika Vandervenet. And then Iran is Khan, great woman. She's like the queen of Miami. And then you have Sam Robbins, uh, the queen interior designer of Miami. She actually uh, designed Don Johnson's house and did a lot of stuff for Miami Vice. And then you have, who else? Um, Jenny Perez at Indulge Magazine. She's awesome. Erin Newberg. She's awesome. Um, who else? You know any awesome uh, women chef, chefs? Oh, yeah, of course. Amaris Jones. Uh, she had a show on OWN. She's local. I'll hook you up with her. It cooks the best soul food in Miami. Okay. Um... I don't know. And then I've got Celia Evans of Planet Fashion. She's amazing. I'll make a list. Oh, seriously, yeah. I mean, it's uh, just give me like five minutes here because we got to figure out a tad bit more about about your... There's a couple key questions here, Michael. Is, is if, if you're someone in Miami listening to this and you have your daily routine, you have your life, I like to kind of bring it back to like one... We all have good things about each other and, and bad things, but like, what is a good healthy habit you have that makes you who you are? Healthy habit? <laughs> uh, I would have to say reading. It's a healthy habit. Yeah. So you is it a morning thing or at night before bed, or do you have a time in your day when you read the book? Yes. Most? I wake up at 4 in the morning every day what? and start reading. Was that your quiet time when you got your space? That's when nobody's around. That's a bit early though. It's, you're, it's pitch black. I go bed. I go to bed at seven. What? After Jeopardy. <laughs> it's Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, and I go to bed. You watch those shows every night. Yeah. And so are you constantly? I might watch a movie, but I'll fall asleep to the movie. Like we're religiously, we watch the news. 
I mean, we're working all day, but when we watch TV, the news, Wheel of Fortune, I usually get them all right. <laughs> Jeopardy is harder. <laughs> and then I go to sleep. You are you are a character, man. And you you'll probably watch sixty minutes, right? Is that you guys watch that together? That's like one of we're uh, like old people. Yeah. Well, your hours. We old you belong here, man. You're retired here, die here. Me too, man. I mean, but I I can't say I'll ever want to get up at four a.m. That's. But remember, we're in a pandemic. This is only pandemic hours. What? That's all so you're gonna change your sleep schedule? No, it's not pandemic. I, like I'm just saying, I've always been an early bird, but. Like, There's not as much stuff to do at night, right? right? There's no FOMO. There's no everything. FOMO about going to bed early these days. Yeah, it's like it's whatever. It's like my like my boat. My wife works from home now. I work from home. It's like our schedule is our schedule. You know what I mean? Nothing makes sense. Plus, she has parents in Europe, and she's like Europe's on a different time. And when I'm getting up, I'm talking to people in Israel or Germany or whatever. You know. They're on that. Right. It's like, yeah, to connect with you. I don't you feel like that lonely when I'm up if I want to talk to someone. So I did see that you are a skateboarder. Yes. Where's your park, man? Like, are you, where do you like to go? Where we go? I don't. I don't rip it. Like, I can still do kickflips and all that stuff, but I'm not doing it like that because I just don't want to bust my ass. So we go to um, Hallover Park. Have yeah, you, yeah, you I mean, know that. Yeah. Hallover has a. a what do you call it? A pump track. And we've been doing the pump track. It's pretty cool. Who's we? My boy, DJ Keith. DJ Keith? Yeah. So you got he's your crew? A, he's a reggae DJ. I love it. I love it. And so that when you're when you're going out, you guys ever like hop, there's a skateboard, jump onto a boat, and then go to the sandbar? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we go to the sandbar. We, um, we've got a boat. We, uh, Keith has a boat. And, um, what do we do? Oh, we go wake surfing in the back of the boat. Okay. All right. Well, one couple of last questions, I promise. Is, uh, so, all right. I don't know. I was reading about Pratt Institute, whatever. Like, so, um, be true to your work and your work will be true to you. What's like one of your Michael... That's what Pratt says? Yeah. yeah. What's one of your Michael Hanablue mottos besides ye? <laughs> well, mottos? Um, man, you caught me. I know. That's a tough question, man. Not everyone has to have their own motto. I have them. I have them. What do you, so what is something you say in the morning to like get yourself going? I go. Uh, I usually say this all the time. I say I've seen everything until I see someone else. <laughs> I say that all the time. I've seen everything until I see some more. You like because so much crazy shit happens, you know. But I feel like I've seen I've seen everything. But I'm I can't have seen everything. Yeah. So I'm gonna see someone. Yeah. I say today's this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Yeah, see, like that's to, like, totally different. Rejoice. I don't even like, I'm not really a religious person, but like, I just like saying, this is the day the Lord has made. Just saying that, it's like, all right, this is like, let's maximize this day. Um, all right, last hard question. So, all right, so this, you're going to help me out with Women's Month here, but is there, who's like, the, Damn. who's the craziest story that, that you'd love to have, you know, hear more about? Who's a character that has just like, you know, kind of secrets or that you would love to know more about how they do what they do? Local? Yeah. Secrets. I don't know. What kind of question is that? I even texted you about this. Make sure you have a couple people that you that you want to secrets know man? more about. No, no, I, I, I maybe I shouldn't have said the word secrets. I, I most most people are pretty open and transparent that are successful, right? I mean, I, 
I like to think I'm an open book, but obviously. all right. I mean, I can say if I want to learn. How about if I want to learn something? From, all right, all right. I want to know Brayman. 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 Who's that? You don't know the Braymans? They're a very wealthy family. Okay. I like to know their secrets. Okay. And they're known for what exactly? That's their claim to fame. Um, Brayman Auto. He has a lot of car dealerships, but he also owned the. I think he owned the F Eagles. Okay. And he's like the number two art collector in the world. And based out of Miami. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good, good answer, man. All right. Are we? Uh, I, I play one. One thing I like to do with my my guests sometimes we'll play like tennis or golf or something. Do you ever play golf? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was just at Trump Dura. I like going Sundays to this this course, but um. I, I think we'll get along. Well, um, thanks for coming, man. Thanks for giving us your time. And, you know, I really, I don't think your wife's actually out there wet, I is think she? I'm going to get in trouble when I get home. I, I don't know what was going on, but uh, this is Michael Honablu, and your wife is an amazing person. And she'll have her own day. She'll have her own hero week, you know? It's like, it's like... Oh, yeah, you're going to bring her on for There's the a lines? lot of couples in Miami, you know? So, like, you know, Victoria, Victoria and... and, and David are going to have their own week, you know? So it's not like uh, everyone gets their chance, man. <laughs> but thanks for coming. Thanks for sharing a lot about Miami history that uh, a lot of us didn't know. And so, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, shooting with you out there. And Thank you so um, much. Go rescue your wife. Yeah, for real.